Before we start today's show, I just want to give a massive shout out to Acast for making this show happen. Thanks, Acast. Hello, kia ora and welcome to the PJ Podcast. Got a, a first on the show this week, my very first sports star, um, Josh Cromfeld. He is a rugby legend here in New Zealand, played how many games for the All Blacks? 54 tests for the All Blacks, um, including appearances in the 1995 and 99 Rugby World Cup. Uh, he's gone on to be a TV presenter. He's a father. He dabbles in painting and surfing. He does a lot. And he is on uh, Celebrity Treasure Island Fans vs. Faves. Back on the screen, he couldn't get enough. Um, you might be thinking, what are you guys going to talk about? There was so much I wanted to pick Josh's brain on, uh, including, and this is sort of a theme on the podcast, the transition from playing such a high level of rugby, moving out of that into normal life. What was that like? Also, mental health and the state of players these days with the impact of social media. Is it easier? Is it harder? I really wanted to pick his brain on that. And also just how to live a fulfilled life. He's doing it all. I found it really inspiring chatting to Josh and uh, I hope you get something out of this chat this week on the PJ Podcast. Here's a cool fact. A crocodile can't stick out its tongue. Another cool fact, you can get short-term health insurance for a month or just under a year in some states. United Healthcare short-term insurance plans are designed for people who are between jobs, coming off their parents' plan, or turning a side hustle into a full-time gig. Underwritten by Golden Rule Insurance Company, they offer flexible, budget-friendly coverage with access to a nationwide network of doctors and hospitals. Get more cool facts about United Healthcare short-term plans at uh1.com. Selling a little or a lot. Shopify helps you do your thing however you cha-ching. Shopify is the global commerce platform that helps you sell at every stage of your business. From the launch your online shop stage to the first real-life store stage. All the way to the did we just hit a million orders stage. Shopify is there to help you grow. Shopify helps you turn browsers into buyers with the internet's best converting checkout. 36% better on average compared to other leading commerce platforms. Because businesses that grow, grow with Shopify. Get a $1 per month trial period at shopify.com slash work. Shopify.com slash work. Josh, it is an honor to have you on the podcast today. Thank you very much for joining me. What have I caught you in the middle of? What's what's keeping you busy uh, today? We had a photo shoot as a family for Women's Weekly. And then uh, mum was all done up. She says, oh, how about we go for lunch? So we've just been to the block for lunch. Beautiful. And had to listen to our two children bicker at each other about their shirt. <laughs> it was fabulous. Are they, uh, oh, yeah, are they in the terrible teen era? Yeah, the oldest is 13. So he's just kicking that off. Mm. Grunts, moans. Youngest just talks gibberish. Yeah. It's all poos and wheeze and penises. <laughs> what's, um, what's been your favourite age so far? Um, that's interesting, eh? Never really thought about it. Um, both my boys are real easy, right? Yeah. When they were younger. Yeah. So, and I love that exploratory uh, sort of phase, you know, two to three. So yeah. they're walking, they're communicating, you know, not necessarily in uh, in uh, normal speak. You know, they're letting you know what they want. And you're starting to work out their kind of personality yeah, yeah, as well. Yeah. 
and their personalities are just on the top mm. <laughs> and changing, evolving. The oldest was just me, 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 me. Eh, 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 eh. I'm doing it. I'm doing it. I'm doing it. You know, and I'm doing it myself. Yeah, and that was fine. And the other one, uh, we used to call him Screwface because he just screwed his face <laughs> up at everything. So, Did Screwface um, take after you, or was it his mother? Uh, no, Screwface takes after his mum. <laughs> Which is not a good thing. No. She's the better looking of all of us. But right. it's funny how they develop their own way and how they fit in the world. And um, you have to try and chill on dominating that and mm. then find their own rhythm with it. I'm not great at that because I often feel my way is better. You have to put it to the side. You just listen and get on with it, you know. How did you go when you first became a dad? Did you find you had a bit of an identity crisis? Because I feel like, I don't know if this is just an observation, but I feel like men particularly might struggle a little bit more in a way. And I don't know if that's because oh, it's a freedom know. thing like, or so, a... You know, for whatever reason, in our, uh, our lifestyles with my wife, when we got pregnant, it was like, well, she was just starting a business out on her own from being with a partner. And so that was a big step up. But we were also very aware if we didn't get started, it might not kick off at all. Just timeline with the wife and some of her uh, medical history. So yep. we got a, got amongst it. And so we had the first one. And I, with my lot the way I'd set up my sort of work habits meant that I could pretty much be daddy daycare. Yeah. And my wife was at work. So how did you find that? It was interesting. Like it's, it's a change up, but it's just a different kind of busy, you know, mm. like I've always been busy and fanatical yeah. and moving and got shit on and getting places and, and stuff. It was just a different version of the same stuff, you know. Do you think it took a few well, years to adapt to that new kind of busy, oh, and then you really found you probably, got into a? I, I don't no, I don't think so. I think yeah. it was pretty manic initially because Ron was still doing the boob things with yeah. the you know expressing during the day. <laughs> the boob things. I go, love how you go to squeeze to your nipples. <laughs> yeah, no, I wasn't doing any of that. But um, uh, you know, like she, I think she went back to work within six weeks because she, wow. she she couldn't afford not to, you know, yeah. running your staff. She had 15 staff. And so it was a big deal. And then, so, you know, I'd be ripping the boy in, chucking her on the boob and then yeah. coming back off work and then picking up the express milk and that was in the fridge there. Well, she'd bring it home at the end of the day and that would be our next supply for the next day. And it was a crazy kind of juggle. I think the thing that hurt the most is it meant that I wasn't, um, I wasn't surfing as much. Is that, that yeah, is that what hurt the most? Because often it's people's social lives and, and a limited sense of freedom. Yeah, Did yeah. you feel that? Like a little bit, not not massively. We, every parenting uh, system's different. Our mm. boys both were massively good sleepers. And so Lucky. if they were tired, they'd just go to sleep. And so we got them into a rhythm at home very quickly and if I was playing music in the afternoon when I was cooking and they were asleep, that's what they dealt with. Yeah. So it meant if we decided we're going to a party, yeah, yeah, yeah. The kid was on the backpack and away we went. Yeah. And they worked we around your lives. Yeah, no, well, they just made it part of it. And then yeah. we also practiced as soon as the kids sort of got into a stage where we were very comfortable as our unit. And then it was like practice past the baby. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Like, <laughs> yeah, yeah. You know, we're we're a bit like that. The door, come in and go. Yeah. And you got the baby on, you know. Yeah. 
you got things in your hands like here you take the so, you, so they get used to deal. other people right yeah yeah from a young so age both my boys will go into any given situation now and feel comfortable even take over um you know, <laughs> yeah, and, yeah. And, and not hide behind our legs or or be you know in our faces be, because they're worried about a situation that they're really proactive in public situations now which is fantastic well you being a dad is one of many strings to your violin is that the saying um yeah, you can have that i don't mind a violin <laughs> you're obviously a physio a, a former rugby star you're a tv presenter you're a surfer you're a painter what's what's sort of your current focus at the moment i reckon my focus is going like <laughs> Really quickly, and I have great ambitions of getting back into my art, and then that might last as long as half a painting or half a drawing, or maybe just laying out all my artwork and not even starting. Uh, I got a couple of mates who have back into their music scene, and they're going, "Come on, man, you got to start playing harp with us again." Harp? Sorry, what you played the harp? Yeah, yeah. How the hell did you get into harp? Uh, so some girlfriends of mine from back in the day at university gave yeah. me a harmonica for my yeah. 21st and it was a really lovely one. Gold plated, just one of their high end honers. Right. And, um, and it sat in there and then when a 95 wheel cup rolled around, I just said to myself, right, I'm going to teach my, finally teach myself how to play this thing. So I used to go when we were in South Africa up onto the roof, you used to be able to go up through and, and get on top of the roof and I used to go up there and sit and play on my own. Yeah. And I can remember looking at the the guards when they're standing there and I go, and I give them the nod, they give me the nod and I can see their <laughs> eyes just going rolling over the back of their, their heads, them thinking, oh, here we go again, this horrendous musician's going to come and play harmonica again. And so did you ever get good? Ah, yeah, yeah. I played uh, to the point where in uh, for about, I guess, a year, maybe two years of playing with bands, yeah. uh, with my uh, my friend's band, even did a tour with Mitch Marsden, played yeah. a couple of uh, food and wine fests um, with Mitch Marsden. Outstanding. And, uh, it, was, uh, it was a neat period of my life. Did you say was, you played the harp as well? The harmonica harp. Oh, I th- no, harp. I, oh is that what you call no, it? you're thinking harp harp. No, oh, is that what they call it for short? Did they call it harp? Yeah, 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 harmonica. Oh, so. yeah, right. I was yeah, like, oh, my go. God, how did he get onto harp as well? That's that's amazing. It, what, what was the story behind you starting painting then? Ah, uh, look, I've always drawn. I used to have a drawing book that I used to doodle in whenever I was travelling with the All Blacks. You have a lot of downtime where you're not actually moving anywhere and not meeting or greeting or seeing. So the boys used to just go and play cards and stuff. And so that, you can only do so much of that. So, so yeah. and I quite like myself uh, <laughs> as an individual to hang out with. <laughs> That's good though. That's awesome. That's what so, you aspire um, to be. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Uh, so I, I didn't mind um, just sitting there and killing time by doodling in a book. And it's actually quite funny when you pick up those, because I've still got some of them floating around. And they'll be in really random places, and you and you're having a clean out, and you it's like a mini diary of your life. Yeah, you know, like in pictures, because you go, because it it makes you remember. Oh, I drew this picture, and you you remember how you were feeling at that period. Of yeah, time. yeah, yeah. And, you know, and it's not like a a diary, but just like a, an emotional sense to it. You know, it takes I mean? you on a, a bit of a nostalgic journey. Yeah, 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 yeah. That's so would you would you so, ever doodle um actual things happening in your life? Yeah, 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 yeah. Would you? Yeah. yeah sometimes, like what? Sometimes. Uh, I don't know. Just like 
drawing one of the boys and then turning it into a cartoon figure. I might just start drawing a little flower, then I went, you know, and then all of a sudden it ends in the whole landscape of where we're staying. And to be honest, not necessarily great artwork, <laughs> but, <laughs> but um, you know, it was just a, re- a release of maybe the tensions and the energies that were of that period and that time. It was just, just a way of kicking out. You know? Was it almost, I guess it's a form of meditation really, isn't it? I think anything artistic is a form of meditation. Yeah. In some respects. You get into a zone or, or, or an area where you just release some of the bad energies, you know? Yeah. Well, it's, it's incredibly important when you're playing at yeah. such a, I mean, I, a top I level. A lot of young people today don't have those tools. Yeah. You know? And I've always, whether it's just that I've got exceptionally great compartmentalization where I just box things up and chuck it out, <laughs> you know. Was that your main form of meditation, your main form of coping with all that stress that comes with professional rugby? Yeah, look, I don't know. I don't know. No, I don't think so. There was, you know, there was different periods, especially in my sporting life, where I was feeling different pressures and, and there were different things that were available in terms of tools to, to manage that, uh, from bitching to your mate, <laughs> you know. Yeah. But, it's a good tool. Healthy. Man. It's healthy. You've got to get it it's out. Healthy. You've got to release you know, it. And um, the thing about guys, and I don't, I, I don't know with women, but the thing about guys is when they've had enough of your bitching, they tell you you've been a fool or sort your shit out. I'm sick of listening to it, which is quite a good black and white point to go, okay, yeah, it's clearly affecting not just me, but other people now. So then you can go and find how you're going to deal with it. But then surfing was always a massive part of that, that, as much as everybody goes about the spiritual side of surfing and all that yeah, sort of yeah. stuff, there's something about surfing that just allows me to just forget about everything else. It's an interesting sport because I think it's the closest thing I've ever come to that resembles rugby. Mm. People go, well, it's nothing like rugby, but in actual fact, it's a whole lot like rugby. You know? But it's a one, but it's a one-man sport. Yeah, it is. It is. But look, I always felt like my, my job was a little bit of a one-man job within the team. Do you know what I mean? Like, mm. If I wasn't doing my job well within the team, the backs didn't function or the forwards didn't function. Um, you know, I needed to be doing what I did very well. Otherwise, the cohesion between the two didn't really happen. And that's, that's how I always felt about my role. Did you always feel like you were competing against yourself and you always had to better your performance? Oh, look, or- I was my, worst, my <laughs> own worst critic. I can tell you all the bad games I've played in my career, but I can't remember any of the good ones. You know? Why do we do that? Why do we do that as humans? I don't know. Like, I think that's, that's a, a point of excellence yeah. in some respects. You know, like in the back of my mind, as, as long as I played well, it didn't matter how the team went, the end result. I'd be more upset if I played badly and we had a 50-point win. Yeah, really? You know? That's interesting. So playing badly just wasn't an option for me. Because you were a 24-year-old male when you entered the All Blacks. That must have been... Yeah, it's an old fella in those Yeah. Those well, it is, yeah. isn't it? And how did that impact you mentally? Because obviously, particularly back then, an absolute hero of the country. It's a, it's a lot of pressure to have put on you. Did you find that that affected you or were you still able you to compartmentalise? I, I didn't, I didn't find, find a lot of pressure. I think most of the pressure came from myself particular coaches at different times you know like I don't think I felt the pressure of nation you know I mean most of the reason I play rugby and it's different to to the modern game you know modern game has Instagram and social media TikTok whatever our game didn't have those devices and that and and I think as soon as you join those things you create an extra 
Pressure. <laughs> ingredient of pressure. Yeah. You know? Absolutely. And all of a sudden you have to be, um, you know, well-versed and articulate and all these subjects that you guys didn't have to worry about. And to be fair, I'm still of the opinion you don't worry about that shit. You know, yeah, like, it's interesting, um, isn't it? The, the main the main thing that I got out of my time and living in the world, as long as you're a good person and try to be good as that person, things don't come back and bite you, you know, because you, you're generally trying to be a good person. Yeah. How do you think you'd go in today's age? If you I'd be shit, man. <laughs> so on PC. Yeah, 100%. Would you be sick by now? No, like I, I say stuff and – yeah. My wife would go, that's just ridiculous. <laughs> yeah. What what yeah. what you say or the current? Yeah, what I say. Yeah, 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 yeah. And then she'll point out how ridiculous it is and I'll go, oh, yeah, that's pretty ridiculous. <laughs> but uh, it's just. But um, luckily it's between you two and not the whole world yeah, yeah, and it's yeah, not yeah. posted online. And the other thing is too, you know, like I grew up in a world where no one was PC with each other. Mm. For instance, you would turn around and say to one of the boys, you're playing like, are you willing to swear on this thing? Yeah, yeah, yeah. Because you said. Like, you're playing fucking shit. <laughs> sort it out. And, or, or, you know, like, yeah, yeah, yeah. be like, all right, I'm playing shit, so I need to sort it out. <laughs> yeah. Whereas if you see that to a young person today, oh, yeah. horrendous results. Yes. You know, they just, because that's that's a personal attack. Mm. I have you know? heard you talk about how, how the mental health, you think, of players nowadays suffers a lot more than what it did back in the day. I find that really interesting because... It's hard to know from the outset. I suppose people are a lot more transparent about the state of their mental health now as opposed to back in the day. Would you not say that you guys probably bottled it up a lot more? Oh, we did. Yeah. No doubt about it. Like it, it wasn't out in the open for everybody to deal with. I think uh, Sir John Kerwin played a big part in, in, in all of that and bring it to the forefront. And a number of, I think, events that have highlighted that some of the ways we've taken sport hasn't gone in the right direction. But I also think some of that hardness that you had made you address uh, some of the things that you had to address, you know, like anxiety now seems to be very prevalent. Mm. And yet is it, is it that you're having anxiety about something or is it just that you're nervous about trying something new? Yeah. You, know, it... you didn't have a choice. You had to challenge yourself and put yourself out there in a successful failure decided how that went um, whereas now we say well if it's, if it's too hard for you to try then maybe you shouldn't try it so it's a different way of looking at it and I'm not saying either or is wrong we've got to have there's got to be some sort balance of, yeah 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 and, and I think with young people today that's the hardest part because they've got so many people in terms of social media telling them this is how you should be or how you should react or how you should do something in actual fact, it doesn't matter what you do. If you get it wrong, well, you just start again. It's part of being human. You know? mm. Yeah. Exactly. So much and, pressure. That's and, and if you make a fool of yourself, laugh at yourself. It doesn't <laughs> yeah, really yeah, matter. Yeah, yeah, yeah. You know, it's only the people that are telling you that you should care mm. that are making an issue of it. So I just think, you know, like, everyone just take a breath. Yeah. yeah, yeah, go have a surf, man. Go have a surf. I heard you say like years ago, was it after um, a negative encounter with a chat room where you saw some people sh oh, basically yeah, shit canning yeah. you? Was this in like 1996 or something? Yeah, yeah, it was like early, early days. And people had a bit of criticism um, regarding your, your play. Was that the moment you decided literally to block out all the haters and you never read a yeah, word about yeah, you again? Yeah, yeah. Look, I, I don't mind someone, you know, 
face to face saying, hey, man, blah, blah, blah. Because at least then you can have the discussion. And it's constructive sometimes as well, isn't it? Yeah, sometimes, sometimes. Sometimes. But <laughs> I, I just, it was just so hurtful. I would, don't think I would talk as strongly as these guys were on a chat, on the chat room. And, and I didn't disagree what, with what they were having to say about Dwayne Monkley. I thought he was a great player, you know. <laughs> um, and I enjoy his company as well. But just the stuff that they were saying about me was so personally attacking. And it was just like, it took me about four or five days to recover yeah. from it. You but know? that's it, what it, like it just, social media is like these days, but on steroids. And it's instant. And, it's it's instant. instant. So, and people don't have to mm. face um, the repercussions no. of, of their actions. No. And that's yeah. the worst part about it. Yeah, so that that was it, and I pretty much stopped reading newspapers. Um, Surely, just took myself out. Of, can't be that easy and, though. No, nah, I mean, like people, but your friends will say, "Oh, I saw your article in the thing." And I go, "Oh, yeah, what do they say?" Yeah, 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 yeah. And so, you, by degrees of separation, you you got the got the gist of the story, and then you laugh and. And, and of course, usually because of your mates or whatever, they'll, you know, they'll chuck your bone to make you feel a bit better. Yeah, 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 yeah. So it's not, I just found that it was just easier not to be involved in that world. Smart choice. Very smart yeah. choice. Yeah. It's, it's just a whole new dimension for so many industries now. It's not just, you know, sportsmen. It's, it's a lot um, that are affected by it. And it's not as easy as just getting out, is it? Because then you alienate yourself. It's like that's part of the game now. And it's also part of uh, how these boys make their money too. Yes, like, yep. You know, they if there's a selection of different All Blacks, you will be picked on how highly you rate with your uh, followers. Yeah, the likability. You know? is, that, is that a massive factor now? Well, it's, like I know that that's how they, um, they weigh up and decide how much you get paid and stuff with some of these private deals that they're doing outside of their yeah, rugby yeah, components. Yeah. So, yes, yes, it's a big part of it. And, I mean, the thing is, like your career – Technically, you could argue is probably a four to six year career uh, if you have a good run, you know. And for a lot of players, it, it doesn't go that long. Mm. And for some players, they make it for another four or five years. So doing well by that social media, you can <laughs> maximize your. You've got to milk it. Period. Yeah, and so I get why they do it, but man, it it also it opens you up to a lot of uh, negativity and tax and ah. Uh, you know, it's just horrendous, especially, again, when we come back to our young people, you know, like I'm a 50-year-old and would find some of some of the things said online disturbing and feel not good about myself because of it. But I've got lots of tools to be able to deal with it. Yes. Now, how can a 12-year-old have those tools? No, they don't. Well, what kind of conversations have you opened up with your children? Because obviously they're going into that kind of phase. Oh, well, How do you navigate that? We, we, most of it's been about just trying to be a good person yourself. Again, you have to be careful because the personalities of both my boys are very different. And what I could say to one kid, I couldn't probably say to the other one. Yeah, you know, right. One Band-Aid fits all doesn't work. Mm. And so we've tried to say, look, you don't need to be on that stuff. You've got plenty of time to get on it. Mm. But my oldest loves the whole uh, YouTubing type thing and all that sort of carry on. But we've just explained, if you get onto these things and putting yourself out there, you're mm. open to a lot of criticism. And and so, look, I've tried to encourage them not to go down that just yet. They've got plenty of time. Yeah. You know, delay, delay. That's a good you tactic. You don't need to be a, uh, an Instagram superstar. <laughs> yeah. Well, but, but that's you know. the other thing, you know, it's one of the most aspired jobs these days, being an influencer or a YouTuber. How embarrassing. I know. Yeah. 
What's society got to? I don't know. Not that I, I can talk know. about. I mean, look, I spruik products online. I'm, I'll be shameless about it, but it, it's an interesting place that society is in right now, that's for sure. Yeah, and I, I don't know where it's heading. because I mean, mm. whether it's just that's always been there, but the numbers of everything in terms of mental health are up, skyrocketing in our young, yeah. our middle-aged people, our older people. Is it because we know more? And, and the that? overconsumption of I news. Mm -hmm. I sometimes wonder I, that. I don't think it is. You don't reckon? I just think they're exposed to too much. And I mean, how come 10-year-olds are just having these identity crosses these days, you know? I think it, well, to be honest, I think the news does have something to answer for. Not necessarily the news, but the way we're consuming it and the way we consume everything. And it's that immediacy. And, you know, back in the day, you might read it in the newspaper, but things are changing all the time. You have to have an opinion on something all the time. You have to project yourself all the time. It just, it's really overwhelming and not good for our nervous systems. Oh, yeah. Well, I mean, on the flip side of that, too, is like when the Prime Minister uh, said, right, I'm stepping yeah. down. Yes. I thought it was a bloody joke, you know? Really? <laughs> I thought she said, oh, someone's, you know, like Instagram. Was, yeah, it was yeah, the first yeah. time I heard it on it. It was like, ah, oh, I should take So the person, next thing I see on the news, it's for real. Yeah. It's just like, so it works both ways. Yeah. Yeah, it does. There's never been a faster or easier way to start your weight loss journey than with PlushCare. PlushCare accepts most insurance plans and gives you online access to board-certified physicians who can prescribe FDA-approved weight loss medications like Wigovi and ZepBound for those who qualify. Take charge of your health and speak with a board-certified physician about a weight loss plan that's right for you. Get started today at PlushCare.com slash weight loss. That's PlushCare.com slash weight loss plushcare.com slash weight loss. Ever catch yourself eating the same flavorless dinner three days in a row? Dreaming of something better? Well, HelloFresh is your guilt-free dream come true, baby. It's me, Kiki Palmer. Let's wake up those taste buds with hot, juicy pecan-crusted chicken or garlic-butter shrimp scampi. Mm. Hello Fresh. Stop dreaming of all the delicious possibilities and dig in at HelloFresh.com. Let's get this dinner party started. Hey, yeah. something I really want to talk to you about is, you know, the transition from being a rugby star to moving out of that job and, and knowing that you were ready to quit, but also the aftermath of that. And how did you find your identity coped after that? Because uh, I find that really fascinating. Yeah, like what lots of people do. And I, I don't know whether I'm the norm or uh, I'm different. I know that I just didn't find it very hard at all. And I, and I distinctly remember the day that I decided that I was finished. I remember waking up and I rolled over and put my feet on the floor. I turned around and I said, I'm fucking done. <laughs> yeah. I'm done. Yeah. And my contract was meant to finish that year. And we were, it was like, well, there's only a month or two left of that particular contract. Anyway, the, the club that I was playing with kept offering me to stay for another six months because it was a, it was running into a World Cup and they just kept and uh, kept going, kept going. And then the, the money became uh, more relevant to the situation. So I played another six months past that, that time of being done. But I was, so when I got back, I had no idea what I was going to do. Uh, and I came back, I traveled for a year by myself, two and a half months in the United States camping and driving around on a Harley-Davidson. Awesome. And, 
Yeah. Um, which is kind of crazy because that place is full of people and it's also <laughs> empty at the same time. How old were you at this I point? 32, 33. Yeah, right. That's my age right now. Yeah. Interesting. So I probably, I could have played another year of rugby easy, uh, but I just it, it made my decision that it was time to finish. And then the States is crazy. Like I remember I drove around for about a week and then realised I hadn't spoken to anyone. <laughs> yeah. What? And in the States at all? Like one other person? Yeah, yeah, yeah. Because I was pulling in, in uh, the gas stations and you could either just swipe yeah. and go, you know, because you, you got yeah, your helmet on, so yeah, it's, yeah, it's yeah. a rigmarole to get undressed and everything. And so I just, you know, fill the gas up and drive and then get to the new location. Then I turn up and they had honesty boxes on the, um, you know, and because and it was all, it was just out of season. So yeah. everything was kind of closed, but you could go and still camp there, turn up at places to be the only person there. <laughs> it was Amazing. That would have yeah, been great yeah, for so, you, though. That was probably exactly what you needed. Yeah, yeah. It was, it was just different. Don't get me wrong. I stayed, uh, for, I did like uh, three weeks in uh, San Diego with the surfing community there and immersed myself into that. It was amazing. I, I got stuck in Oregon uh, Tillamook, which is uh, the nuttiest. I stayed with... Um, some work friends, parents, and got to know her, the rest of her family. And it was like a combination of hillbilly, religion, everything you, that you've seen on yes. I say, television. Yeah. I was right in the middle of big trucks, um, blue <laughs> denim dungarees, and it was just sensational. I just. The culture change. People preaching to you on the yeah. street. It was uh, kettle corn, you know, <laughs> yeah. tractor racing. You know, it was it was fantastic, and so I was only meant to stay about four days, and I was start, you know stay for about two weeks. But, wow! And then dropped the Harley Davidson off, flew out San Diego to Santiago, ah and, Chile, and bought mm. a um, truck to live in. And even though I own the truck, they have a license for a truck, yeah, for a vehicle, and I couldn't get the license because I wasn't a Chilean uh, citizen, mm. so I had a, a, a written let, letter to say that I owned it. <laughs> but every time I got into the borders, because my plan was to do all of South America, yeah, just driving in my truck, you know, yeah. and surfing and hanging out. But I kept getting arrested at the border, and because um, due to no fault of your own, apart from the bus, yeah, yeah they thought I'd uh, stolen the truck. So, <laughs> Um, so I gave up and just pretty much did most of Chile, I don't know, just on six, seven months. And then did a little bit of Argy and a little bit of Peru and just left the truck in Chile. It must have been quite liberating for you after having quite a big oh, following in New Zealand. Was, which was fantastic. Yeah, that must have been Although amazing. It always surprised me when you'd turn up, you'd be at the top of a volcano in the middle of Chile <laughs> with a view and there'd be an Otago jersey walk up to Oh, me. no. You'd be like, hide, hide. <laughs> See you, Josh Lopez. <laughs> <laughs> where is that? Would that be the randomest place you've been spotted in your whole uh, life? Where, where's no, been the funniest the place? Random, the most random one, I reckon. And, and it wasn't that I was in a crazy location, but I was sitting in Leicester Square, you know, and you know how there's thousands of people. Like mm. it's just, you know, when that's pumping, it's just people just going through. Yeah. And I was sitting up again, uh, like I'm like on a bit of a concrete wall with the iron fence. Yeah. In the, in the courtyard there, and I had a, a dirty great big ice cream, and I was licking on that. <laughs> and this dude walks up to me, and he was an American dude. He goes, "Are you like that rugby player, man?" <laughs> <laughs> and I went, "Yeah, I play rugby." And he goes, "Are you like Josh Cromfell?" <laughs> And I just went, 
Yes. What? <laughs> <laughs> you guys don't even play rugby. You know what I mean? It just didn't make any sense. How do you sort of go about that with your kids? Like, you were incredibly famous in the rugby world. At what age did they fully understand that? Oh, look, I don't, I don't think they ever really understand that. Yeah. Like, it's probably a good thing, too. Oh, they still don't understand it quite. You know, like, I don't I haven't pushed them into rugby. Yeah, I was going to say, have they shown interest? Yeah, my little fella loves it. The oldest blew his ACL out at 10. Oh, my God. And so he had to step down from rugby for a couple of years, and um, he's just not had the drive to get back into it. But the wee fella, he's fully into it, but I'm not really keep saying, she's going to be an all black, I'm going to do this, I'm going to be that. And I go, well, you got to understand, son, if you want to do these things, you've got to train. Yeah, yeah. Can't be on the bloody PlayStation every five seconds. Yeah. You know, I, I said I used to practice, walk around with a ball, kick a ball, bounce a ball, throw a ball all the time, everywhere, every time. How much do you think luck plays a part? Plays a massive part. The only reason I became, uh, ended up playing for Otago is because the current number seven, a guy called Tony Hunt, very good player, very different player, but a very good player. His retina disconnected a month before this. Well, not even that. Probably two weeks, three weeks before we're about to start the season. Wow! And of course, our club couldn't find anyone. So up comes Josh. Yeah. <laughs> Looking back on everything you have done in your life, what would you say has been the most enriching and rewarding part? I can't. The kids are pretty special. Yeah, but they're just a component of it. Mm. Like I, I'm hoping that there's still going to be a whole lot more rewards of discovery along the way you know i don't want to limit myself to to one single thing being the most i think if i can do half the job that my parents did with me growing up you know i'm already a success in that sort of fatherhood thing i love the saying though you can have it all just not at the same time yeah exactly i like to follow that because it's a good reminder when you feel overwhelmed and you're like i want to be doing that but you just got to be like, yeah, I will be able to do that. Just not right now. You've got to be dedicated. You know, yeah. like everybody's capable of doing everything. That's mm. my I really believe that. But if you're going to be successful in that, you have to be dedicated to that. You know, that's a big commitment to make a dedication to something. How was your dedication in uh, the Celebrity Treasure Island fans versus faves? Uh, <laughs> probably not as good as it could be. But I, I'm competitive, you know what I mean? Yeah. I can't help it. Like, I'm super relaxed going into anything and any everything, but as soon as someone puts the competitive side to it, I can't. I'm uh, I'm a bit hopeless. I'm a bit hopeless. I get super competitive very quick. What was it like going back twenty years later? Ah, uh, look, that person from twenty years ago is so different to this person. Really? How so? What's the biggest way you've changed? Oh, look, I don't, I don't give a fuck. <laughs> <laughs> I can't wait for that to kick in. I'm 32 oh, and look, I think it, I care it, way it, too much. Look, I said, you got to understand that I can't help but be competitive. Yeah, Even with yeah. my boys, I've got to say, oh, no, just relax. You've got to give them a chance, you know what yeah. I mean? Doing the Treasure Island side of things again, when I look at it, it's just like, why did I want to go through that again? Mm. You know, and then I thought, well, the charity side of things is great. You know, yeah. like it's a real to get a little message out there for your charity or, or even because what's your charity this time around? So race for life. So yeah. it's a charity that I've kind of fallen into in some respect. It's it's a charity that kind of offers 
people opportunities, like a wait, make a wish almost. Yeah, 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 yeah. People that are stepping out and soon to step out. So terminally ill and the hospice side of things. And, that must be quite a rewarding uh, side of what you do. Not rewarding, but it has, it, but it's it's this, it's a freaky sort of one. I mean, you mm. go to see these people, and when we meet, the first question you say, "Oh, how, how you doing, man? Are you good?" <laughs> you know, yeah. Like, you can't say though. No, you can't say that. So it's like you, you, you're getting in there, and because I just end up getting in there and just be myself. And but sometimes maybe that's what they maybe they do. Oh no, I, I, I think so. And it's but it is, you know. And then I, I just see it as being special to be involved in that part of their life. You know? Absolutely, like, it's it's kind of amazing. And most of our charities are, are about uh, the start and journey of life, not yeah. the ending. Yeah. And so it's it's a bit different. Josh, look, um, it's been awesome to meet you today. I'm sure there's much more we could talk about, but I really appreciate you taking time out of your very busy schedule. I am really looking forward to seeing you on uh, return on telly with fans of his faves. Thank you so much for chatting. Yeah, well, I'm not looking forward to it. <laughs> See, guys, I can totally talk sport. Played first 11 hockey back in the day, third to seventh form, nailed it. I had no clue what I was talking about when it comes to rugby. I did actually, and I didn't include this in the chat, but um, I did ask him if he knew my brother because they played together in Otago years ago. And he vaguely remembered, but um, didn't dish any dirt, so I left it out of the chat. But um, I'd love to know what you got out of that because it was slightly different for the show, but I thought it still conveyed some pretty important themes, some interesting themes, and I do find that the whole mental health of sports players these days is interesting. I feel like it's a double-edged sword because players are so much more transparent and open, but then at the same time there is a ridiculous amount of pressure of what they say, what they do, how they view things, how they project themselves online. Um, it's pretty interesting. So I'd love to know your thoughts on that. And leave a review wherever you listen to the to your podcast. I'll be back next week. Catch ya. Hold up. What was that? Boring. No flavor. That was as bad as those leftovers you ate all week. Kiki Palmer here. And it's time to say hello to something fresh and guilt free. Hello, Fresh. Jazz up dinner with pecan crusted chicken or garlic butter shrimp scampi. Now that's music to my mouth. Hello, Fresh. Let's get this dinner party started. Discover all the delicious possibilities at HelloFresh.com. Imagine the softest sheets you've ever felt. Now imagine them getting even softer over time. That's what you'll feel with Bowling Branch's organic cotton sheets. In a recent customer survey, 96% replied that Bowling Branch sheets get softer with every wash. Start getting your best night's sleep in these sheets that get softer and softer for years to come. Try their sheets with a 30-night guarantee. Plus get 15% off your first order at BowlingBranch.com. Code BUTTERY. Exclusions apply. See site for details.